Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I'm your host for today. And we're here with Barbara Jones-Brown. She is the founder and CEO of Freeing Returns, and we're going to talk about how to get women funded because she's had a lot of success raising her own funds and is on a mission to help other women do the same. So Barbara, thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you so much, Hector. And I'm so happy to be on your show and very excited about the talk today. We were mentioning before recording how important this topic is. And I would love to just kick it off by have you sharing your story and a little bit about your background experience and also about freeing ventures and kind of what you guys do. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I'm a really a technologist. I've been writing software for over 20 years. I have software running and in stores throughout the US, Canada, and Japan. So I really started out as a computer programmer, software engineer. 10 years ago, the company that I was working for got acquired. I was working with a startup company in Austin, Texas, and that company got acquired by Oracle. And they took the software that we created and created a whole retail practice out of it. It was a cash register software we created. Oracle purchased us and sold that software all around the world, I think for billions of dollars. And I think that's when I got bit by the entrepreneur bug at that point. I was like, wow, I worked on that software. I definitely didn't make billions of dollars, but look what happened when the company got bought. And so that kind of got me into this whole idea of maybe I should really start my own company and write software for myself and build a business out of it. And so that's what I did. I launched Lily R&B 10 years ago. We started doing software consulting services We found a problem that a lot of our customers were dealing with. It was dealing with returns, refunds, loss, fraud, and shrink. And so we decided to build a platform that would help retailers identify where they're losing money and stop those losses. And so we called it Freeing Returns. We want to free retailers and return money back to their bottom line. That's how it all started. And I'm so happy that I followed my dream and decided to start a company for myself. Yeah, I'm curious. Perhaps it was easy just getting the chance to connect with you a little bit. Maybe you did make it as easy as it seemed. But take us through that journey or transition from working in a company and then all of a sudden deciding, okay, I'm going to start my own. What was that like? It's been probably the hardest thing I've done in my life, Hector. So (laughs) you're right. I fast forwarded through those 10 years. It's been a labor of love really going from getting a check every other week to sometimes not knowing if I was going to be able to pay myself or my employees. That's the reality of when you're the owner, everything kind of falls on you. And so I thought it was easy. I looked at the company I worked for. I saw how we grew from 25 people to 200. Like, wow, I can do this. I think I can do this. And really, when I started to try to do it myself, I realized that I didn't have funding. I didn't have friends and family that could give me a million dollars to start this business. I mean, they could barely give me $20, (laughs) most of my friends and family. So I didn't have money to start. I was like, wow, I couldn't get a loan. I had to use all of my savings to try to get this company started. And I tell everybody it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's been a labor of love. I've never enjoyed anything so much in my life, but building something from nothing, like starting with nothing. And 10 years later, I have a company that's worth millions of dollars. For me, that's been the fun part of this is just the creation, being able to do something I didn't think I could do. I didn't know anybody you know, in my family would ever done it and just getting to this point. And so it was definitely hard, but it's been just a labor of love for me. Yeah. It's not the right term and forgive the term, but how did the fascination with funding come about? Because it seems that become your, once again, terms don't do it justice, but purpose or mission. Yes. Yes. But how did that happen? 
Well, I guess building, so I was bootstrapped. I know people know this term where I couldn't get a loan, didn't have friends and family that could give me money. So I basically had to just fund it myself with my own savings. And so once I ran out of savings, because I only had so much, and so I ran out of savings, I was looking, by that time, I'd already created a team, had about 11 of us in the company. These people were with me through the ups and the lows. I'm out of funding. I don't have any more savings. We're in a dry spot where we don't have enough customers to support everybody in the company. It's between letting this go, this baby, this family I created, or finding funding, <laughs> getting us some money so that we can keep this company going. So that's when it hit me. I was like, wow, you know, I see all these people on TV and it looks like everybody's raising millions of dollars. Let me go try that. I went out, I was like, let me learn how to pitch and get on stage. You know, Shark Tank, right? Everybody's seeing that. And oh my God, it's not what you see on TV <laughs> at all. Nobody was giving me money. I was pitching all around Atlanta, which is where I live. I was on all kinds of pitch contests and just losing and wasn't raising a dime. And now instead of building my business, I'm out here pitching, trying to find this money. COVID hit. And right around that time, I was like, man, what are we going to do? And that's when the Paycheck Protection Loan Program came out, the PPP loan. And I applied for that and we ended up getting close to $200,000. And I was like, whoa. $200,000 I was able to raise, kept everybody working. We were working on, let's build this product out because we didn't have any customers. So let's take this 200000 and build a product. So by the end of that year, with that 200000 PPP loan, we had built a very early version of our product. And from that, we got the attention of Steve Case, the former founder of AOL. And he was doing a $2 million pitch competition where the top three people would get a million and the first place would get a million, the other two would get 500,000. So I was like, oh my gosh, if I could win that money. So I applied, got selected and to be able to pitch in front of Steve Case. They selected five companies. I was one of the five, Hector. And I got a chance to pitch my business in front of Steve Case. I did not win any of the top three prizes, but I got the attention of Morgan Stanley Bank and they gave me $250,000 and became the first investor in my company. And so after that, it's been, you know, like I said, I've raised over $4 million now, but that was the first money coming in. And it was through them seeing me pitch at this $2 million pitch competition. They loved what I was doing and they ended up investing in my company. Once you get the first investment, it gets a little easier. People kind of believe in you because Morgan Stanley is an investor. And I started raising money, even got funding from Serena Williams. She came in and gave me over a million dollars. So it's been an amazing, amazing ride and enjoying seeing the people that believe in what we're doing and want to help us by investing in the company. Before we get into any of the hows or the how-tos, I want to take a moment for you to share whatever you feel is, is important to share with regards to women in venture funding. Because I've read a lot about the fact that the discrepancies and the differences and you found a way to do it, but I'm curious what your experience was like. Yeah, yeah. So I found it very, very hard. I think when I really got this idea that I could do it, I was really looking at men, young men, usually young white men, that were raising millions of dollars. They had an idea on a napkin and somebody believed in them and gave them millions and, and they become Facebook or something like that. And I was seeing this, I'm like, oh, wow, that's how you do it. So I come up with a great idea and somebody's going to give me millions. That was not happening for me. I was pitching, I was talking to people and people were looking at me like, I'm not giving her a dime. That's basically what they were thinking in their head. And I was not able to raise any money 
Did you feel that they were not giving the product its due because you didn't fit a mold? Hector, I believe exactly that because I remember being, and I've said this before, so this is not the first time I've said this. You can Google me and you'll hear this same story, but I remember pitching to this fund and I walked into the room and people looked up, they saw me and they looked right back down at their phones. They were talking amongst themselves and I'm setting up and I'm like, okay, should I start? And nobody's paying attention. And they're like, well, Barbara's here. She's ready to do a pitch. And they kind of reluctantly put their phones down. And so they're halfway listening. Not really. Some people are heckling me out in the audience. Oh, that'll never work. And, I mean, it was bad. And so I finished my pitch, answered a few questions and packed up to go, just defeated. And I walked out. And as I was walking out, this young white man, young, young, like college came in. And everybody looks up and they see me and it's like, oh, wow, you know, what are you building? And what's all this stuff? And they were very engaged and so excited to hear about him. I was like, is this the same crowd I just left? It was blatant that as soon as they saw me, it was, nope, I'm not giving her a dot. And then this guy walks in half my age, doesn't have my experience. And the room was his. And that's when I realized, oh, wow, they're not investing because of me. <laughs> Is not my idea. They didn't even listen to that. They are not investing in me as a Black woman trying to build this very complicated retail technology. It's like, no way she can do this. That's what they were saying. So that's when I realized, oh man, this is going to be hard because I got to get through bias with people. It's like, I've read many statistics that said that people invest in people that look like them. That's really what I was saying is I didn't look like the people that I was asking to give me money. And they were not giving it to me. So Morgan Stanley invested in me, but it was their multicultural innovation lab. So this whole fund was set aside for multicultural people, underrepresented founders, diverse founders. So they're the first ones who gave me money. And then 2021 happened, George Floyd, the whole incident with George Floyd happened. And really people started to wake up and realize, hey, wait a minute, there's whole sections of America that are overlooked. It's a wealth gap. So when George Floyd happened and people started really changing the way they thought about this, a lot of funds popped up that were black led. That's who I got my money from. 90% of the $4 million that I raised was from black led funds. And that's what changed. That's how I was able to raise money. And that's why, like I said, my mission is to help women avoid some of that stuff that I went through, just hearing all the no's and talking to people who were never going to give me money. And it wasn't because of my ideas, because of me to really target people. Cause there's all kinds of funds now target funds that invest in someone like you, the product you're building or the social impact that you want to involve yourself with. That's my advice. And I don't want to foreshadow the answer based on how I have gotten to know you just over this little bit. Was that the natural progression where it's like, okay, we're not going to get money. These people aren't giving us money. Who's going to give us money? You mentioned being defeated. Like, did you just keep going and to the next door? How did you navigate that? Yeah, I stopped raising after that, especially that experience I described. I was like, I'm not going to even pitch anymore. So I kind of just stopped. And one of my advisors, he was like, Barbara, I want you to apply for this pitch competition. It's a $2 million pitch competition. I told her, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not trying to raise money. I'm just going to go out here and sell, 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 get money for my company by customers. I'm not even trying to raise money. Nobody's going to give me money. He's like, Barbara, this one is specifically for Black founders. You should apply. So he really coached me into it. And I was like, fine. So I applied it. And like I said, I got into the top five and that's when things changed for me. 
when I realized that there were funds set aside to really invest, you know, in people like me. And so that changed it. Had that not happened, had I not been a part of that two million pitch competition that was really focused on black founders, I may not have raised that four million dollars, Hector. That's to be honest, because I was pretty much like, let me just go out and do what I know how to do, and that's sell my business, get customers, and get money that way. That's probably what I would have done to this day, and I wouldn't have raised that four million dollars. So good. Such good stuff. Barbara, when we get back from break, I'm curious if you were to counsel or advise a young, I don't even know the right words to say anymore. It's be women, you know, underrepresented founders, black yeah. women. You know, somebody who's not a white dude. <laughs> I'm curious how you might counsel them to get their ducks in a row or to save time or anguish. But we're going to talk about some of that when we get back from break. Sounds good. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a band of misfit genius makers. And so if you have a mission, a message, a passion, a purpose, something that you want to get out to the world but don't have the time, the tech skills, or the team to be able to do that, we can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. You can also check the show notes for the link, and we'll see if we can help you. Okay, Barbara, so I think we've given enough context. I like to leave this last little bit of the conversation, hopefully to give people some direction or a recipe or a blueprint or something that they might be able to at least take and say, you know what, Barbara, you're right, but now what? What can I do? What do I do? Where do I start? So help us kind of that perspective if we want to start heading down this direction. Yeah, so what I would say, especially if you're an underrepresented founder, you're a woman, the statistics are, I think women get three to 5% of all the venture capital that's given. <laughs> the billions that are given out, women get about three to 5%. And underrepresented founders get 1% or less. So if you're an underrepresented founder or you're a woman, then what I would say, I give like really three pieces of advice. The first thing is before you even start raising your funding, bootstrap yourself as much as possible. At least try to get the first one to three clients. That's what I would recommend. Because as long as you have a client or you have some revenue coming in, if you are the consumer product where you're selling to people, to customers, not businesses, try to have some good followers, maybe like 5,000, 10,000 people following your social media. Have some things that you've already done before you even start trying to raise money so that when you get the money, it's really like putting gasoline on a small fire. It's just going to help you explode versus get you just to that next level. And I say that because if you raise too early, you're going to end up giving away all of your company. And right when things start working, you're not going to have much equity and you're going to lose control of the company. So try to get at least to those first few customers, first five to 10,000 followers, things like that on your own before you raise money. And you can bootstrap yourself, keep your day job and build your business on the side till you get to those levels. Once you're at that level and you're like, okay, I'm ready to raise funding, curate your list. There are so many resources. We have chat GPT now, so you can't, there's no excuse, right? Curate the list, whatever you are. I'm a woman, I'm LGBTQ, I'm, you know, Latinx, whatever you are, curate that list to find investment funds that invest in people like founders like you, your demographic, the type of company you're building, and then any type of social impact. For me, I bring women into IT. Some of the ladies working for me, this is their first job where they got the code. They were not on the help desk or, you know, testing. They got to actually write software. I was the first one that gave them that chance. And so I have this social impact 
can bring women into IT. So you look for funds that have a social impact mission to support something like that. Those are the top three ways that you curate your list. So the second thing is curate the list. Pitch to people that are looking for people like you in businesses like yours. You will save yourself a lot of mental anxiety and a lot of no's if you curate that list. And then the third thing is you have to have your stuff in order. You can get people excited. You can pitch to them. But if you don't have your business in order, you haven't set up your company, you're mixing your money, personal money with your business money, and you haven't set up your accounts, you have to go through something called due diligence. Once somebody is interested in giving you money, it's the same with buying a house. They're going to check everything before they write you that check. So if you go through all that trouble of getting these people excited and they want to give you money and your house is not in order, you will not get the funding anyway because you won't pass due diligence. Those are my three pieces of advice if you are thinking about getting funding outside capital for your business. Yeah, so so great. And I think those three really save people a lot of time and anguish. And I think also a big part of why people may be unsuccessful is because they're not doing those three things. They're not being targeted with their list. They're just reaching out to all the funds. They're not getting their house in order, right? So they're getting everyone excited and then they're blowing it. So absolutely. Barbara, is there anything that we haven't touched on today that you thought would be, I mean, this has been so great and your experience and your stories have been so valuable, the tips, but is there anything else that you think is worth mentioning? Yeah. I mean, the last thing I will say, Hector, is there's other ways to get money besides venture capitalists, investors, all this type of stuff that everybody wants to do to shark tanks. There's so many other ways to get money. To me, the best money you can get are grants. Remember that PPP loan I was telling everybody about earlier? Those loans were forgivable. We actually got two PPP loans and both were forgiven by the government. So they were basically grants. I think we got about 250000 that is not dilutive. So they didn't take a piece of my company. It wasn't a loan. I didn't have to pay it back with interest. It was grant money. So that's what I tell everybody is, you know, why you're going through that first few stages where you're trying to get your early customers and build up your social media, look for grant money. There's all kinds of programs, especially women and underrepresented founders, that you can get $10,000, $5,000, $25,000 grants. Don't have to put that money back. It's just free money that you can use for your business. So grants are beautiful. And then if you don't want to give up all the equity in your company, you don't want to bring on all these investors, there's low interest, no interest. There are loan programs that are for people like us, underrepresented founders and women that are low interest or no interest business loans. Some of them have one to three years before you even have to start paying it back. So you have some time to make money before you pay it back. So those like low interest, no interest loans that have a nice extended repayment period, those are another good option that doesn't take away your equity. So look for other options to get money for your business besides investors. To me, that's the most expensive money that you're going to get is because now you've given away the equity in your company. And that's if your company is going to be a hundred million dollar company, and you gave away 50% for like $5 million. You really gave away $50 million. That could have been yours had you kept that equity. So that's what I would say is look for other sources of money. Don't run to the investors right away. That comes later when your company is worth worth some good. Mm, so good. Barbara, where can people go if they want to get connected with you or follow up, get deeper in your world? Yeah, please, please. So reach out to me. I'm known on Instagram as the Queen Coder. T-H-E-Q-U-E-E-N-C-O-D-E-R. The Queen Coder. That's what I love to do is code. But that's how you can find me on Instagram. Everywhere else is freeing returns, F-R-E-E-I-N-G, returns with an S, 
Instagram, it's on LinkedIn, it's on Twitter, Freeing Returns. That's how you can find me. Very cool. I want to thank all of you listeners for sticking with us today. We appreciate you. If you gained any value out of today, we would love and be appreciative of a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone who's thinking about starting a business, getting some funding, is in that part of the journey, we'd love for you to send them this episode and then go get connected with Barbara and let her know how much you enjoyed today. I want to thank all of you for being a part of the tribe and we'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all. Thank you. Bye.